Pires herein, the host of the hour, first to follow the fox named Neve with books laid before the bear named M to read and retire around the long fire. We're back. Yeah. Once again, I f- the we're back felt more dramatic when it was two weeks, but. You know what? Um, I'm happy to be here. We got a new saga. It's like a long one. We didn't even finish it this time. It's like, what are we even doing? Reading long form literature. I know this isn't even a long one. We got that uh, King one that's like fucking a billion pages. Yeah, the the biggest one that's going to be like us just continuously within one story is going to going to be when we do Nyal Saga. Um, I think that's one of just like the longest sagas because oh, when it? we do because I got King my one, I got my book of Nyal Saga and I was like this is I was expecting this to be bigger. Yeah, I I think it is one of the longer ones that's like a a continuous saga because oh, okay. when we get to the King one, like that's a a big book, but it's a bunch of sagas, and oh, I think okay. the only. I guess I guess uh Olaf Saga Helga in it is like similar to to Njal Saga in length. Um but um yeah. We we are here to talk about uh Luxdala Saga or the saga of the people of Laxardal. Um Yeah. A little I guess intro here. Um, we're again reading from the, this nice saga of the Icelanders tome. Uh, so it has the helpful time of action, 890 to 1030, uh, which means that we get the founding, like the settlement of Iceland, the, the early settlement. Um, and we'll also get Christianization in here, uh, which is in 1000. Um, so much more sweeping, uh, time frame than our, our last one. Um, and then for the time of writing, uh, they put 1250 to 70. Um, so a, a bit of a narrower range where they think this was written. Um, I think I mentioned this last time, but the saga, uh, we've already gotten a little bit of it here. Um, there, there's more of a focus on like women characters. Uh, there's also more discussion of like, the the women's side of thing or like the women's perspective uh we get like a scene that takes place in a, a bed chamber between a, a woman and her servant um in the parts that we've already read uh all of this has kind of led to speculation uh none of this is confirmed because we don't know who wrote this but that it was uh written by a woman or or possibly multiple um this is also like as a a longer uh, saga, and also is one the the title here kind of cueing you off, um, being like the people of a region. Um, this is sort of an earlier form of sagas before we get to. I think some of the other ones you'll you'll more often see um, that c- come later will be about a specific person, and so that person's name will be the title of the saga. It'll be the saga of this person. Um, whereas this is. I feel like it's a little bit more in that space between like um the Vilsunga saga and then Robin Kell saga where you're kind of getting like a jumbled collection of stories uh it's not quite as much the space of myth but um they're trying to tie things together but also I feel like it's a little bit more like loose and shaggy um than something like Robin Kell saga which is very like focused in on a specific um event and a specific like character um 
But yeah, how how are you finding it so far? I guess. Um, well, it's weird because like I I read it, uh, started reading it on. I guess I read the whole thing on Sunday, and then I read it again tonight. Uh, I skimmed it tonight. I didn't need to read the whole thing again. But um, I messaged you. I was like, oh, all the names have shown up. Got some real like yeah. X begat Y begat Z shit going on here. Um, yep. at the beginning. <laughs> and my um, one of the things that I for a long time I thought I just didn't like history. I thought it was really boring. And I realized it's just because I have no head for names, like just none. So I was like, I'm just gonna skim this part, try to retain what's important. Um, and you you can hit up the rest if it's that valuable. But honestly, rereading it, I'm like, no, no, no. This is just all table setting for someone. Definitely cares way too much. But uh, it's really just table setting to get this poor woman uh, in a position where she's got to flee and marry off all our children or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> um, and some of this too is like, and I, I think this, this is part of what, also what I, I'm, what I feel about some of these ones that are about like a region rather than a specific person, mm. um, is that I think a lot of them are drawing more directly from, so the first like historian to write about, um, Icelandic history was Ari the Learned, who actually gets like name dropped in this. Um, I forget the exact point, but there's a a part where the saga writer for Lockstyle Saga is like, as attested by by Ari the Learned. Um, but he did uh the the two like big extant books that we have that are attributed to him <clears throat> are the Book of Icelanders, uh, which is pretty dry and there's not too much narrative. It's basically just like an accounting of everybody in Iceland, uh, like very early on, um, in its history, uh, or like all the notable men, I guess, uh, all the notable people. Um, and there might be little stories tied to them, but nothing like, there's not like bigger narratives. Um, and then there's the book of settlements, which is, uh, sort of similar, but is trying to account like the land and, you know, where farms are and things like that. Um, and again, there, there's like narratives and stories entering into it, but it it's far more focused on just like doing an accounting of everything. <laughs> um, and I feel like some of these earlier, these sagas were probably written a bit earlier. Uh, you feel some of that like heritage more where there is a lot of, uh, here's the whole lineage of like this character who we're introducing. Uh, we got to explain the names of everything. We'll have like the story will like be happening and then it'll get to this point where they're like, and then that's how we named it this thing. Cause of, there was a battle that battle happened here. And so we call it this, um, that I feel like you'll get sometimes with some of the later sagas, but they become a little bit more character driven. So, um, and we're fully in the, the prelude of the saga right now. So it's, it's, there's some very early parts. There's just a lot of lineages and where people settled and things. That's true. Um, uh, but the main, I mean, the main focus of this, not to like, I don't think there's a re good reason to go through this like moment to moment, but it seems like the big thrust here is, um, um, uh, Uner goes out and about, you know, travels, leaves her, her, her father dies and her son dies and she takes a ship and gets the most gold. She gets the biggest bag any woman has ever secured and floats away with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, um, and decides to leave, does it, like has the best like matriarchal death possible of like having a huge wedding party coming out, congratulating everyone. Being like, don't wake me until in the morning and then going and laying down and dying peacefully. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's also when uh, she gives all of the valley, like the entire uh, Laxaral, which is like a, a fairly large region that most of the stuff up to this point has been centered around, and just gives all of that because she had so much wealth uh, and took over so much land when, like, because she comes over during basically the time of um, King Harald or Fairhair, which is when there's like this massive exodus from Norway to, to Iceland. Okay. That's um, not really touched upon in the saga. So I did not have context for that. Yeah. They, they very like briefly talk about it, but it's also in this way of like to, to the presumed Icelandic audience when the saga writer is doing this. So like, we all know that this, country was like basically founded on a bunch of people running away from king harald or fair hair so um yeah you'll get a lot of sagas that will kind of say uh king harald or fair hair like came to power and then people decided to leave <laughs> um <laughs> and here's this family that left and we're we're gonna start there um it is interesting that um Uner's father um kettle mm. uh he goes to scotland yes. which which was kind of rare um but yeah she she see, like seizes a bunch of land and then gives a bunch of that land um as a dowry to uh her granddaughter uh thorgerther and her her husband uh dalakol um and we don't get too much about them, but Dalakol is going to be an important character when we get to Nyala. So, like, the other thing happening here is there's a bunch of names that get dropped um, that I'm sure you, like, you just, eh, they're not talking about them anymore. I'm just going to forget. Yes. Uh, and I see it and I'm like, oh, Gunlayer, like, Serpent Tongue. There's an entire saga about him. Um, or later we're going to get um, a a guy with a great saga we might read at some point. But um, that's towards the very end of what we read. Um, okay. Yeah, you'll just have to keep pointing them out then. Yeah. These are the uh, original um, cameos. <laughs> yes. Uh, can't call. It. I was like, oh, yeah. this is this is the this is the ICU, and I'm like, I can't call it that. That's taken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, Thorgather and Dalakol have a son, uh, Hoskolder, who basically becomes the like primary. Um, we basically have two main focus characters for much of the reading we did. And the first one's Huskolder, and then we'll get to um, Olivier later, mm -hmm. who is his son. Um, but Unir gets to, like, this brief moment where she gets to be um, the the focus character for, for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and she's great. And, yeah, it's... Uh... Oh, it's actually... Because I took some notes to try and remember, because they're... More so than other stuff we've read, there's a lot of names that get repeated, too. Uh -huh. um, yes. So even for myself, it helped to be like, uh, let me just like actually write this stuff down so I don't mix stuff up. Um, so yeah, it's when she's uh, growing old that basically that her last unmarried grandchild is Olivier Phelan. Um, and she bequeaths like the land that she has to him on her upon her death um, and finds him a suitable wife. Um, and then the first day of the wedding, she's like, you know, kind of old and slow to get around, but does a great job greeting everybody. And then just goes back to her bedchamber and like dies in the most, uh, yeah, just like matriarch badass way. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, Hoskolder ends up marrying, uh, Jordan, 
um, um, Yorun. Yorun, yes. Who ends up? Who? Yeah. yeah, they. I feel like they are. Yeah, they are kind of basically the main characters. Of the rest of this, except for this that long, um, <laughs> the long little uh, aside about um, um, Vidris and Vigris and um, who's her husband? That guy. Um. Oh, uh, Thor. Let me. Uh, Thorovir. Thorovir. Okay. Yeah. Or no, uh, Thorovir is the her kinsman who she's helping to hide. Uh, Thorther. Yeah, is the Thorther Godi. We're gonna get two Thorthers. So, uh, they these ones hopefully have nicknames, which is nice. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we we get a brief aside. Uh, some of that stuff gets tied into. Um, I I mistakenly read uh beyond where we were supposed to read uh-huh. uh because i just got it mixed up in my head and i was like oh i should have had us read one more chapter so we could get the like final conclusion of proper the like ghost who's just running around throughout some of this oh there's there's a um, ghost that's just kind of propped up it like haunts a house because the man was propped up in a doorway when he died they're just like he, he was like put me in the doorway and they did <laughs> yeah because he wanted to watch over his his uh his home um yeah, I'm trying to. I'm looking through just to see if there's any like other key stuff. Well, the main about. thing, the main thing here is, uh, Hoskolder goes abroad, and while there, buys a slave girl from a guy. Yes. Who yeah. Apparently, is mute. That is what he's told, and there's a whole to do about he has exactly as much money as this man asked. Um, yeah, which lot. is is three marks of silver, which is three times the asking price of you know any of the the other enslaved women there. Yeah, but he's like, she um, looks like she has noble bearing, so I should definitely buy her because that always pans out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, some of it is just is him being like, wow, she's hot. Yes, <laughs> that's that's kind of what's just happening here. Uh, but it's it's like Viking Age Iceland, so it's noble bearing and fine features. Yes. And he comes back and his uh, wife's like, you bought a, a lady? What's her name? It's like, I don't, she's, she didn't talk to me yet. You kidding me? Yeah. You kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> well, and also, uh, unlike sort of how stuff got alighted a little bit in some of the, like in um, Vilsunga Saga, um, I think it's, I, I wonder if, I'm noticing some stuff that could be parallels and I'm wondering if it's going to continue just be, because we've read these, but um but yeah, it's specifically noted that he sleeps with her while he's in Norway. Mm. Um, and then, uh, but when he goes back and his wife is like, are you kidding me? You don't even know her name. And he's like, listen, she's like mute. Like <laughs> she's not, she doesn't talk to me. Um, she doesn't talk to anybody. Um, but then he's like, I'm going to be a good husband and only sleep with my wife now. Um, which I just thought was a, a kind of amusing detail in all of this. Yeah. But uh, that um, slave has a child. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um and the child is named uh Olivier. Uh he's going to get the the nickname of Peacock eventually. Um I don't think they fully explain why he gets the nickname. His dad just gives it to him uh-huh. at some point and it sticks. Um But yeah, he- uh they they bring the child to him when it's born and he names it the the kid Olivier. Yeah. Um and uh, like all faded children, he grows up big and strong and cool. And one day he's looking for his, the kid and he finds him talking to the slave girl who's been able to talk all along. Yeah. And so he's like, okay, like you can't 
you can't pretend anymore. Like I, I saw you talking to our child. <laughs> uh, so she says, my name is Melkorka. Um, I'm the daughter of the Irish King Mirkarton. Um, and he's like, Oh yeah, you do have such like noble and, and regal bearing. Uh, he treats her even more favorably after this because she's the the you know daughter of a king. Uh, meanwhile, his wife's like she could be fucking lying. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Um. And so we get the the incident of uh one night. So also one of the things he does um is make her basically gives her like easy jobs of just uh looking after. Th- uh, him and Yorin and uh, taking care of Olivier. Yeah. Just like, be be a mom and look after us. Um, but so one night then when Melkorka is removing uh, Yorin's shoes and socks, she strikes her with the socks and then Mel- Melkorka like punches her in the nose and makes her bleed. So um, after that, uh, Yorin's pissed off and um, Melkorka has to go and move. But uh, you know, Hoskolder still favors her greatly, so, like, gives her her own farm uh, that gets the name Melkorkasother. Um, then, oh, yeah, so this is where we get this, uh, after that happens, we get this, like, digression with uh, Vigdis um, and Thorther, um, where... There's the squabble between uh, two men over fish, uh, and Thorovir kills the other man and then flees uh, to Vigdis, who lives in the region. Um, he was and... right to do so. I feel like this guy had it coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the description of him, like, basically waiting a few years and stuff is great. Yeah. Uh, it's such a, like, uh, you know... Provincial such like I'm going to bide my time to get revenge, and you get like this little mini version of it, but it's over like a, a fishing squabble, and it's just funny to me. Um, <laughs> the other guy deserves it, but um, but yeah. So then uh, Vigdis helps uh, Thorovir hide against uh, her husband's wishes, um, and then uh, Hoddle's brother um, Ingjelder comes seeking revenge. These fucking guys. They suck yeah. so much. <laughs> this is like the the section where just a bunch of guys show up. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> um, there, there's other people that like uh, Angulder is related to. I think the so the main one is Thorther Bellower. Uh, so that's the other Thorther we get. Um, but uh, he'll come up, I think, more later, but not quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Angulder comes. Um, Basically, uh, bribes Thorther, uh, Godi to reveal the location of, uh, Thorolvir, the, the murderer, um, in exchange for silver, uh, and he, like, goes along with it, but, uh, Vigdis figures out what's going on, um, and sends out, so this is a thing that I think is interesting, um, and is, to me, in my head, kind of hearkening to the, like, very beginning of Volsunga Saga, where you get the the um slave who's like such a you know i i think thrall is the word they use there but like this thrall who's like above so many men even though he's uh technically a thrall yes um and you you're getting that with melkorka and then you also get it with um the the slave auskater uh who um uh 
Thorther and Vigis have. What is um, the status of like Icelandic slavery? Because it definitely seems like it's like a, you know, this is like the classical like class based like like indentured servitude kind of slavery because they're freeing slaves left yeah. and right. It seems like there's a lot of yeah. mobility for slaves in uh, Iceland. Yeah, there. Um, I don't want to say that like it's it's indentured servitude, but it's also in a way where um, it's not. I think there are like forms of indentured servitude that can be uh, represented where it's like after you pay off the this whatever mm-hmm. you know. Um, the like expenses that I had to bring you here, then you're free. It's a little bit like, it's not as codified. I don't think it's just like people would bring slaves over to help them tend the land. And then some of the ones who were really good, they'd be like, you're, you know, you're, you're a great man. Like I'm going to, I'm going to give you this gift. Um, I think some of this is also that like gift giving. I mean, we see this throughout the sagas already, um, is really important in this culture, uh-huh. uh, to like be given a gift, um, not even like directly indebts you to someone, but like whoever is giving a gift is like in that process, gaining, uh, more station and like gaining more renown as this person who can be a great giver of gifts. Yeah. Uh, this will come up with like Olivier later. Um, and so I think some of it too is like, Oh, it might, if, if you have someone who's a really good man who, uh, you know, is your slave under you, you give him freedom. He's still going to be kind of like beholden to you in this other sense. Yeah. Like he's still not at your level of class. Mm-hmm. Um, and will always kind of be like a loyal person to you. Um, yeah. It's so almost like, of... um, not quite like surf Lord kind of thing, but not, not that right. There's like definitely like an, yeah. an aspect of like, like feudal, like claimant over the people in a way that's like, different than like the way we conceive of like modern perceptions of like straight yeah. chattel slavery. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there is still a, a fair, like we, we see like yes. buying Melkorka and bringing yes. her and, and all of this. It's just so, in this weird um, place where you see like multiple types of it all kind of coexisting, which is, uh, um, yeah, that's history for you. And it, and I, I feel like there's no, there aren't like, I've never seen things that explain that there's like a, a clear uh, differentiation between like indentured servitude and then like a, a slave who will never be free. Yes. Um, beyond just like the ways that uh, class will kind of work its way into that mm-hmm. arrangement, I guess. Um, that like, you know, somebody who, who has lots of the, the fine bearings of like the, the Norsemen are probably more likely to get freed than some person that they got on, in the Hebrides or uh, even like a lot of Irish people. Um, like it's notable that like Mel Corca doesn't really get her freedom for quite a while, despite being really favored. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, she sends out, uh, Ausgater, um, and he tries to help Thorovir flee. I guess he actually succeeds. Um, they're, they're found by Ingjolder, but, uh, they have time to flee across the river and they're like unladen, um, again, in order to go try and like, uh, kill Thorovir. Ingjolder would probably have to go with weapons. And so that's going to make it far more dangerous to cross the, the river. Um, and, uh, they go, Thorovir gets shelter with his namesake, uh, Thorovir Rednose, um, 
and just like becomes one of his men. Uh, and I think that's just kind of, I, I may even say like, and then he's like basically out of it. We're not going to hear from him. I don't think. <laughs> I forget if they make that explicit, but I feel like we never hear of Thorolvir again. Um, but, and then um, Ausgator returns. Um, Vigdis gives him freedom uh, for helping out so much. Um, and then, oh yeah, we also get this great uh, thing with, Ingyalder being like, well, I didn't get my man, so I need your silver back that I gave you, uh, Thorthur Godi, like Vigdis's husband. Um, and so she goes and fetches a heavy purse. And then when Ingyalder tries to reach for it, she hits him on the nose and he bleeds and runs away. Um, so yeah, we get another like repetition of this getting hit on the nose and bleeding, but it's such a great, like a little moment of put holding out the, the silver and then hitting him. Yes. <laughs> um, I just think of like uh Kung Fu Hustle with the 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 like landlady. Like Vigdish just gives me that vibe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um anyway. Um and then I we also get the note that she divorces uh Thorthur Godi, which I I think will come up there's gonna be some more stuff around like Thorthur Godi uh that becomes important because he becomes uh the foster father for for Olivier. Mm-hmm. Um, then, um, let's see. Oh, we also get uh, Happier Dying. His wife is also named Vigdis. So we, we get that yeah. <laughs> name repeated. Yes. Um, but yeah, this is where he gets, uh, he gets buried uh, in the doorway to his kitchen, like standing up um, and becomes, and this is like specifically a, so the the term um, in like Old Norse and uh, Icelandic is uh, dreyer, but it's like a it's not a ghost in the way that I think we think of ghosts now, which is like a spectral like it's a a vision, but like you could possibly pass through it or things like that. Um, I feel like it's a little bit closer to like uh, like it is a ghost in that the corpse is still in the ground. And it will like rise and fall out of the ground, but also it has like corporeal form when you are interacting with it. Like you can literally wrestle it and things. Um, and it is like a, like a man who, who is there and, and you can like actually interact with, uh, which we'll get some stuff with him later on. But yeah, he's just like terrorizing people, uh, on this land for a while. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, it'll come back to, to why he's important later, but, um. Yeah. Um, important to note because we're, we're going to get it, his conclusion next time. Um, then let's see. Um, oh, we get the stuff with uh, Ruter, uh, who's Oskolder's brother. Um, he returns from Norway uh, and is basically laying claim to their mother's wealth. Um and so we get this, uh, it, it almost feels like something's really going to pop off. I feel like, <laughs> um, and then it just doesn't, it gets resolved. But, um, yeah, while, while Hulskulder's away visiting, uh, Thorthur Godi and presumably Olivier, mm. uh, comes and steals cattle, uh, sends messengers to notify Hulskulder, um, and then he's pursued by farmhands, but he handily defeats them. Um, you know, none of his men are hurt, but uh, he's a little bit hurt, but like 
fine. Um, and it just seems like everything is going to like simmer over uh, because of various lineages and connections that we haven't brought up right now. Uh, Ingjaldur and his brother Thorther Bellower might, um, and like all of their kin, <clears throat> might get involved in this. Um, you're like, oh, all these little threads that have been happening throughout the saga so far. It's all going to come together in this big conflict. Uh, and then Euron's like, you should just reach a settlement with your brother. He's like your brother. You, you, you should get along with him. Like, just, you know, you should give him some of your mother's wealth. Like, be a good brother. Uh, and so he does, and it's fine. <laughs> yes. Um, just big, uh, this is a accounting of events rather than... Um, necessarily trying to do good narrative (laughs) moment i feel like um yeah and then we get the um we get some some marriages um i think the the notable one is um melkorka gets married to thorbjorn pockmarked um and departs by sea basically um feeling like not treated well enough by Hellscolder. Oh, uh-huh. well, that's true. Um, yeah. Um, and so she basically like runs away when, when Hellscolder is getting older and is kind of away, uh, out of town. Um, and then, uh, oh, we get, we get Olivier traveling. Yeah. That's so the main, that's this, I feel like that's the main yeah. thing in this story is Olivier growing up deciding he's going to go and basically his mom's been bothering him because she's like, you know, you're are I'm royalty. You're royalty. You should like act like it and people should treat you like it more importantly. Um, and convinces him to go, uh, and to Ireland and like touch base with his roots. Right. Yeah. And, and gives him a gold arm ring, uh, to prove himself uh-huh. to, uh, King Mirkarton um his grandfather and then also a knife and a belt that will uh you know be somehow important we don't actually get the importance of it but will somehow be important to her old nurse yeah um uh so yeah all of your travels uh we get some like great moments here um i think we get some of what's interesting about the saga to me as well compared to some of the other ones is there's like a, a fair amount of uh like Ireland comes up repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Scotland and Ireland had a, a fair amount of similarity at the time too. So like um the you know guy who all of these people are coming from basically, uh cattle going to Scotland. Um in that when that stuff is coming up, there's a bunch of uh people in there that have been directly linked to like Irish heroes. Yeah. Um, a lot of names that you can connect. Um, and then you get this part here where you get like more of a, a discussion of like, here are Irish laws and the ways that like, uh, Norse people would not normally interact with the Irish, but that Olivier is able to, because he's been like taught old Irish, um, by his mother. Um, or I guess at that time, contemporary Irish, um, and so they arrive, there's this thing of like, uh, a stranded boat gets claimed by the Irish, uh, but Olivier is aware that there's this, like, if there's a translator aboard that doesn't apply and he is a translator. Yes. Um, 
they but also they're doing this like show of like uh Norse strategy um with the the shield wall on the side of the boat yeah. with the uh spears hanging like hanging down to attack which um shield walls were like a really key part of uh Norse like fighting strategies and were honestly one of the reasons why they were able to like kill and <laughs> pillage so much um it's really hard to be the have, shield wall is the thing yeah you just have a bunch of people with shields come at you especially the the like worst version of this is if you could flank uh, a force by both sides and then do two shield walls and move in yeah you could essentially turn it into a corridor where the people are trying to fight people but like through a shield yes and then you just have guys with big heavy axes come down the two sides of the corridor and just start cutting into people yeah um it was it was extremely uh extremely successful tactic if you could pull it off so um it's interesting there's a um there's a like old Norse board game, uh, Nefetafel that I, I have a thing of. And basically like the best strategy in it is to, to construct shield walls. Um, which I think is interesting. Um, but anyway, um, they are doing it on a boat against guys on land. Yes. So it does feel a little <laughs> impotent. It's like, they, yeah. it's like, it's like you're trying to like get a cat out of a tree. That's like feral. Like you don't, you mm-hmm. can't touch it, but it's not coming out of the tree unless it like lets go. <laughs> yes um and uh so, but eventually because this is uh proving to be sort of a problem uh this king comes olivier can kind of hear what's being said on shore uh, and hears the name uh Mierkjartan. um and so uh when the king then goes to speak with him there's this little exchange uh olivier's kind of hesitant to to reveal his lineage at first and then it's like um well i'll tell you my mom it's melkorka and i think you know her because i think she's your daughter uh and they're like okay come ashore and you know shows the the golden arm ring um all of that and then basically just like you know fully accepted um <laughs> treated lavishly here um yes gets a bunch of gifts him and him and his bro end up basically like important parts of the military while they're like here helping him out doing doing kingdom stuff yeah and they're just getting like uh a bunch of gifts um which one of them will will already the fate of it will already get mentioned um in the parts that we've read a really tacky sword (laughs) yeah uh back then though that was people loved tacky swords yeah uh, they are great. <laughs> I'm just like a sword inlaid with gold isn't good for fucking anything. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you had it like really close to the hilt, or if it was like stuff in the hilt, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's still um, tacky though. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and so then uh, also when he's traveling, and I feel like he he's treated well when he first goes through Norway, but then when he comes back after being in Ireland and has like all of these gifts um, and, you know, has confirmed his lineage as the, the grandson of a King and everything. Yeah. Um, then uh, this is a different King Harald here. Uh, time has passed. This is no longer fair hair. This is gray cloak. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if they mentioned that it's, it's Harald or gray Co- cloak in the saga, but I'm, aware of it because his mother who doesn't get mentioned as as his mother um shows up um uh which is the the 
Goon. Is it Gunlayer? I'm trying to remember now her. Um, it's Gunhilder, isn't it? Oh, Gunhilder. Yeah. Um, so some of this is like just expectations that people know the lineage of kings of Norway, but yes. um, but yeah, uh, and so uh, King Haraldir Grey Cloak gives other uh gifts, including like a a ship to uh go home on with. Uh, I think he gives him timber and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and so he returns to Iceland and is just, you know, very wealthy, uh, has won a lot of renown. Um, and Hoskolder sets about trying to find a match for him. Um, and they set their sights on this woman in another district named Thorgerther, um, who uh she's the daughter of another famous saga hero so oh, okay. uh Egil Skaldgrimson um he has a fairly lengthy saga about him um he's fucking great if we you know if we do more seasons of this we'll probably read his saga um he is uh th- there are, like stuff around him where he may have been people talk about uh and like read the saga as he may have been like um schizophrenic or uh bipolar or some he has like really intense mood swings which is um like a fun thing for to read uh-huh. <laughs> uh this guy who's just like swings wildly he seems um, pretty chill in this one he's like done. yeah he's yeah he's pretty chill here i feel like he's he's getting a little bit older at this point um it's like but, uh, your retired rpg hero from the other spinoff game is just here yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I, I forget the exact ages but it's like uh, you know, he, he like, uh, stabbed his first man when he was three. He got drunk for the first time when he was five and he killed his first man when he was seven or something like that. It's like towards the very beginning of the saga. It's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he shows up, um, with his daughter and she's hesitant to wed the, the son of a slave woman. Um, cause that's what she's heard of him. Um, and then, when he goes to, he's like, well, let me go see her. Um, I think at the all thing, I think this happens at the all thing. Um, and when he goes to, to see her, then she recognizes, Oh, what a fine, noble, wealthy man he is. Um, and, uh, you know, agrees to the, the wedding. Um, and then their wedding's well attended. Uh, Olivier, you know, presents his new father-in-law, um, you know, Carton's gift, the, the tacky sword, um, and Agil does not hide how happy he is about this, this gift. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, I think where we wrapped up. I feel like every guy in the sagas is like, all right, I think it's great you're getting married, but I need to ask my daughter because if she says no, the whole thing's off. It's just not going to work <laughs> every single yeah. time. <laughs> and then, and then he asks her. And then she will say, like, yeah, it's going to work. And then he'll he'll go back and be like, okay, I think it's going to work. Um, let's go. Let's ask her, like, formally. And so then the, the, the guy will go ask the girl, do you want to marry me? And she'll be like, well, it's up to my father. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, just a very funny, like, interaction. I assume where... that just is, like, the polite way it happens. When it happens so often, it just has to have been the norm, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it is just a thing of, like, probably, like, legally within the society or or kind of 
Um, there, there is that, like, you need the father's approval. The father was the one who, like, technically, uh, controls the daughter and would be able to make these decisions. But, like, a good dad is going to check in with the daughter and be like, are you okay with this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, the thing is, there's no... otherwise, it's going to be a bad marriage. Yeah, like, I don't want to give you a bad There's no marriage. value in a bad marriage, because then it's going to dissolve. It's, it's not like, like, divorce is happening here, right? Like, in a place where divorce happens, mm-hmm. and it, family dynasties are tight, like marriage often secures people's like futures economically a bad marriage is yeah. bad business for everyone well and and marriages too are like uh it's not even the because i think you know you get like this more recent concept of marrying daughters off where it's like okay that daughter's like future is secure yeah but also this is about like building family yes. ties yes. between families where um now you have like you're you're less likely to hopefully to to feud. I mean, we've seen how that went for the the Vilsungs, but like, yeah. <laughs> ideally, if you do it well, uh, you're going to reduce the feuds between families rather than increase them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is funny how often, like Vilsunga Saga, just needed more people checking in and making sure this marriage was good. <laughs> I mean, this is the difference between, like, m- like myth and history, right? Usually, people here genuinely seem invested in making sure everything works out. When it doesn't work out, everyone's like, hey, just just go back to your family. We're going to take care of this guy. He's... So much happens with, um, what's his face? Um, Olaf's father. What's that guy's name? Uh, Hoskolder. Yeah, Hoskolder. So many things happen when a scolder's out of town. Everyone just gathers together to get shit done. His wife leaves. Yeah. His, his kid goes sailing off for his birthright. Like, Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah his his brother comes uh and every time he comes back and he's kind of mad about it and then he kind of cools off and is fine yeah um there's a great moment i think i think it's describing uh the marriage between hoskolder and yorin of like they had like a a a peaceful marriage but like there wasn't really love there um i think it's just um which, which also i think explains some of the stuff that happens with Melkorka. Uh, but you do sort of see it in that, like, she seems to know her husband in a way where, like, when he's out of town, that's when we do things, and it's, like, easier for us to ask for forgiveness than permission from him. So that's, like, how we're going to do things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's kind of an overbearing man. Um, you know, there's not a lot of love between us, but, like, we understand each other. Uh, we, we make it work, so... Um, Yeah, I think th- this will be like I'm excited for when we get to stuff in the the future readings, um, because I I think this has like one of the more extended and uh, described and like uh, given space where they're like really getting into a love triangle. Like the, this uh, saga is going to like become sort of a a romantic story for a while, not in the the like French romance you know mode of storytelling but in the the romantic is in like love stories um but uh so i'm excited for a lot of that that love triangle stuff that comes up but also there's lots of little moments in this prelude that i enjoy even amongst all of the the lineages <laughs> uh yeah fair enough um yeah i like this I, I i'm we ended up a part where i was like oh well this is just getting going I, i'm ready to go but such is yeah the, the 
So the one thing, and I remember this when I was looking into it, I was really hoping that we could get to uh, Huskolder's death, um, which, I mean, he's already getting on in years at yes. the point that we're at. Uh, but I just felt like it would be, it would be too many pages for us to get there. Um, but I think, like, you get that moment and you get, like, a certain sense of closure to, to some of the narratives that have been happening. And then, like, the the main story really picks up around, like, Olivier and his kids. Um, but, uh, yeah. Very much in the, the prelude right now, so... Um, I'm trying to think of, there are a few parts where I, where I, I didn't note page numbers, which I should have, but I no noted chapters. So I might be able to find a few good segments. Um, I know there's something in chapter seven. Um... I forgot we had a different uh, Ingildir here. <laughs> um, there's so many repeated names in the saga. Uh, where? I feel like I'm missing the, the part that I wanted to talk about here. But yeah, I don't know if you had any other parts that um, you enjoyed. Uh, no, I don't have anything to shout out particularly. I just wasn't thinking about it like that this time. But um, yeah. I did just enjoy this. Um, it, I f this one definitely feels like oh, we're just in like the like depth of a depth of a story that like is dealing with people's like family lines. So there's like all that early stuff is definitely just feels like it's setting stuff that like if you lived there and were part of it, you understand. But like you just kind of let it go, right? <laughs> yeah, I am excited to hear that all these people tie into other stories though. Um, that'll be fun when we get further in. Yeah. Um, that's one thing that, uh, cause I, I briefly looked through the other copy that I have of Lux Dyla Saga, which is like a, a standalone Penguin Classics. Yeah. And there's a number of footnotes that'll be like, this guy shows up in this saga. And I think part of the reason why they don't do that in this like tome is that they have the, the like, um, the index of names is like appendix. Yeah. Uh, and so if you look there, you can like, oh, here's this name that came up. Oh, it looks like there's like a bunch of him edit with other pages. And then you could go read that. Yeah. I mean, I think some of it is like to encourage people to just find that stuff as they read through it. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be fun. Uh, it is just weird because sometimes like there are tons of names here that I still just glaze over because they're not yes. important. Uh, but then I see names and I'm like, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, I I found the stuff with um, Uner, uh, at the the wedding where um, yeah, her her death. Uner then rose to her feet and said that she would retire to her bed uh, bedchamber. She urged them to enjoy themselves in whatever way they saw fit, and people would take pleasure in drinking. It is said that Uner was both tall and heavy set. She walked briskly along the hall, and people commented on her dignified bearing. The evening was spent feasting until everyone went to bed. Oliver Phelan uh, came to the sleeping chamber, <coughs> chamber of his grandmother, um, Uner, the following day. As he entered the room, Uner was sitting upright among her pillows, dead. Oliver returned to the hall and announced the news. Everyone was impressed at how well Uner had kept her dignity to her dying day. Um, and then the feast continues in, in celebration of both the marriage and her death. 
or a commemoration, I guess, is the, the more accurate term here. Um, oh, I also, I thought this part was a wild detail. Uh, so she's taken to her burial mound uh, that had been prepared for her, and she's placed in a ship in the mound. This must be ju- just like a huge mound. Yes. <laughs> to have like a ship in there. I was so, because I'm used to the descriptions of these, and I know that they're like large, like they're hills, but just to have an entire ship in there just like uh, was incredible. <laughs> um Yeah, and then uh, one of the other parts I, I noted was, um, let me find, yeah, shortly after, so this is uh, the stuff between Yorin and Melkorka. Um, so, uh, Holskolder then returned to the house and told Yorin what he had learned. Yorin said that there was no way of knowing whether she spoke the truth and that she had no use for people of dubious origin. The discussion ended on that point. Yoren treated the slave woman no better than before, but Hoskolder was rather more kindly toward her from then on. Shortly afterwards, when Yoren was getting ready for bed, Melkorka assisted her in removing her socks and shoes and laid them on the floor. Yoren picked up the socks and struck her with them. Uh, angered, Melkorka gave Yoren a blow on the nose, causing it to bleed, before Hoskolder came in and separated them. After that, he, and Melkorka, uh, he had Melkorka move to another farm, farther up the valley, which has been called Melkorkastother, uh, ever since and is now deserted. It is on the south shore of the river. Um, but yeah, I like that little discussion of the exchange. Um, and then I think it's the following chapter that has a lot of the uh, great dialogue between Vigdis and her husband. Yeah. Um, let me... Uh, so yeah, when, when Thorovir comes and asks for help, uh, she answers saying, we are of course related and it is my opinion. You have done nothing to lower your, uh, my opinion of you, but it does look like anyone uh, else who offers you protection does so at the risk of his own life and property because such powerful men will be on your trail. My husband Thorther, she said, is no hero and any help women can offer is genuinely of little protection against such odds. All the same, I don't want to desert you completely since you did come here for protection. Um, and then, uh, which I just like her discussion of like, you know, basically I can try and, uh, figure out how to convince my husband and hide you, but like, (laughs) I don't really have much else uh, in terms of power here. Um, and then there's the, uh, a man by the name of Thorovir has come to stay with us. He is a distant relation of mine and he needs to stay for some time. If you agree to it. Thorther said that he did not care to have anyone stay there. The fellow might rest until the following day, but it was not any, uh, if it was not any trouble, but if, uh, such a case, or if he was not in any trouble, but if such was the case, he must be off straight away. Vigdis answered, I have already promised him lodging and do not intend to give back my word, despite the fact that he is a man of few friends. Uh, she then told Thorther of the killing of Hoddle and that it was Thorovir who now sought shelter with them, uh, who had slain him. This news upset Thorther greatly, and he said that, or he said he knew for certain that Ingildir would make him pay a high price for the accommodation that was now offered Thorovir, since we have allowed the door to shut behind this man. Uh, Vigdis answered, Ingildir won't be making you pay for a single night's accommodation, for he'll be staying here all winter. <laughs> um, which, yeah, I just love that exchange. Um, yeah, I think those are some of the, the main little bits I'm, I noted. 
Um, otherwise, I think that's it. Yeah. I felt like this was a short one, but it's not that short of an episode. <laughs> no, but, you know, just kind of table setting. I'm excited to get more into this. Yeah. Uh, a um, lot more variants in chapter length than this one compared to Volsunga. Yeah. Um, there's one coming up that's that's quite long. Um, I forget which one it is, but uh, yeah, there, there's like a... There's one that like feels like a, a lengthy, you know, like a real chapter by modern books. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I guess it, it's not like 50 pages or something. There's but, a couple uh, in here that I would describe as real chapters in modern books. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, next time we're reading 24 through 39. So not not that many. Not as many as last time. Well, we're going to get <laughs> we're going to get a long one in there. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's similar page uh, length. That's so. fine. Um, yeah. Um, and that will, let me double check again. Cause I know this starts to get us into the love triangle. Um, but we do have like wrapping up some of this prelude to go. Uh, we will get a, a couple good deaths though. Yeah. So, um, we'll get prophetic dream as well. I think. Oh, hate those. They never go well. <laughs> um, so, so here's the thing: the the love triangle is going to involve a woman named Guthrun. Mm-hmm. So, and, and and prophetic dreams. Uh, Great. So, <laughs> um. Anyway, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. You can find me on co-host at em dash being. You can find all my podcasts at uh, abnormalmapping.com. You should listen to our most recent episode of Reptrace Screenings on everything, everywhere, all at once. I think it's pretty good. Uh, Neve's going to tell you about Ornate Stairwells, where uh, you said basically <laughs> everything I said, and we had not communicated. We had recorded those without yeah. hearing the other one. <laughs> yeah. I think the only communication we had was on a podcast that we recorded, or maybe it was right after. It was right after. Uh, where we I said that I watched it. it. Yeah. Yeah, I said that I watched it. Uh, you didn't watch it yet, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." Some of the humor didn't work for me. Like, yeah. <laughs> ended I felt up like with it almost the exact same yeah. reactions. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, it was very funny. I think both of us had the experience of listening to the other podcast and being like, "Oh yeah, yep." <laughs> that's uh, that's weird. <laughs> um, I still enjoyed the movie. I just yeah, no, I did too. That's the thing is, like, I feel like I uh, ended up being mostly defending it on the episode we did because Jackson was more down on it. Um, but even Jackson was like, "Yeah, it's like a two stars." I had a good time. I I think it's kind of obnoxious. I was like, "Well, I think it's three stars." I had a good time. It's kind of obnoxious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and honestly, those are the most brutal drag out fights you can ever have in movies. <laughs> yeah, is the is the fight between is it a two star or a three star? Where it's like so you both think it's kind of mid, but one of you feels like more positive about that midness, and one of you feels more down on that midness, and it's just like knives out all the time. Not the movie Knives Out, which is great actually. Yeah, Knives Out is yeah. like a strong four star. No arguments there. Um, yeah. <laughs> um i think i'm back movie i think i'm movie coded again i think it's happened yeah i'm excited for this um although one of the first movies that you've chosen to watch for this is just like you've like picked one of the biggest slogs to test it i feel like that was that was the point is like if i'm gonna have this energy i'm gonna rip off a band-aid that i didn't think i'd ever actually get around to ripping off you know 
Yeah. And if I, I can make it through that. I don't know if you want to say what it is. No, but... no, no. I'll talk about it if I finish it, uh, which probably will be yeah. for next Repro Screenings. But if I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. New York, New York. Um, yeah. Uh, I had to watch all of it for a class. Mm-hmm. Uh, in class with, like, a bunch of other people, mm. which was, you know, I think we, like, broke it over, like, two screenings, but. I, <laughs> um, I have a friend. I'll just, I'll, I'll out her. Dia, Dia told me that she saw this one time and the for some reason the sound system broke so so a, a person who worked for the theater to come out it was like for a festival it was in the uk i think i don't remember i'm not looking it up and had to read yeah. the script <laughs> for the rest yeah. of the movie which oh this is a long movie <laughs> if people can't it's tell exceptionally I, i'm it's, breaking it's it up over probably like five or six days that's the kind of movie yeah um is this? I'm trying to remember. Is this even one that is just a long movie? It's not even everything. Uh, I think it. I think it's just one movie. But like everything I've seen is like distributes it in two parts. But I think that might be more with like disc problems than anything else. Yeah, because like Berlin Alexander plots is this weird thing that's like technically a 14 part miniseries, yes. but also gets treated very frequently like a movie. Yes, um, including like. My Oma and Opa went to a screening of it where they literally just showed it, uh, like, it just started in the morning and it just ran all day. Yeah. And they just went. <laughs> I think there were, like, intermissions between parts, but um, that's still my big project that I want to get to. But it feels more doable, just, like, being clearly broken into episodes. So I, uh, I, because of this, I was looking at Berlin Alexander Plots. I was like, oh. Let me just like put this in my mind space for the first time ever, other than knowing it's really long. Um, and uh, real didn't know it was like a crime story for some reason. I thought it was much more like realist documentary kind of thing, and so I was kind of bummed out. I was like, Oh, I, I'm much less interested suddenly. <laughs> um, I'm also not, I'm not gonna watch The Irishman yeah. either, and that's like way shorter, <laughs> yeah. I think, like, well, so I've seen, like, many... I may have seen all of it with time. My my Oma and Ope used to... Like, they loved this this movie-slash-miniseries, yeah. so it would just be on sometimes when I was over there. Um, which means that I, I've seen a fair amount of it, but also, like... It would always be like you're doing something, and then, uh, you know, you sort of pop in for a moment. Um, watch it, maybe get, like hooked into watching it for an hour and then it's like time for cake or whatever. Um, so, uh, yeah, I have this like project that I want to, I have the box set of all of it. Um, and, but I want to read through the, the novel first cause I haven't read the novel before. Um, and that's been the real, uh, sticking point because I keep having time where I feel excited about reading again. Um, and then I start a saga podcast and decide to reread all of Nana for a bonus episode of ghost divers. So, yeah, um, I'm just really doing it to myself right now. <laughs> um, anyway, I think, I think you did your plugs. Yeah. 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 Uh, people can find me at Fox Omnia on Twitter and co-host. Um, I've been very bad at using co. I've been bad at using both lately because I'm very stressed at work. Uh, but especially co-host because even though the mobile app is better now, I it still is more of a computer website to me. Um, 
I'll make sure to get the, the post for this episode up though tomorrow. Um, I'm finally like getting stuff at work all into place where I need it. So, um, yeah, people can follow me there. And then if you go to exportodd.io, you can find all of my other podcasts, um, ornate stairwells, the movie podcast. Um, as you say, currently kind of a TV podcast. Uh, we'll probably talk about this at longer length the next time we record, but, uh, we decided to record an episode about a movie we had watched and not twin peaks. And we had an absolute fucking blast. Um, and so we're probably going to take the rest of twin peaks, like three episodes at a time. Cause we, we just don't, we're not a TV podcast. No. We don't actually TV like podcasts doing... are hard. It's like a different energy. You really got to cultivate it. It's annoying. Yeah. Um, and we're excited about the project of like watching the other David Lynch movies. Yes. Um, and so we still want to like get through Twin Peaks, but we just need to like pick up the pace on it, um, be a little freer with it. Um, yeah. So I think that's where, where we're at with it, but, uh, we'll probably go into more detail about why we're picking up the pace next time. Um, I feel like it's but... obvious to anyone who listens to the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, next episode will be three episodes. So Sick. we watched the two we were, we said we were going to watch. And then, uh, we were like, we, why don't we just watch the finale? Why don't we just watch the final for season one? And we'll be done with season one. Finally get that um, bullshit out of the way to get to the real shit. Season two. Yeah. Actually I'm season two takes a long time two. to kick off. So yeah, it does. But I, I'm excited for that. Um, we'll still be taking it three episodes at a time, which I think will be good. Um, we are also probably not going to get to it until the new year because we just want to have a little extra. I think we're going to do Die Hard because I don't think I've ever seen it. And Autumn can't believe that I've never seen the original Die Hard. Um, I watched Die Hard 3 on your recommendation and it was great. So I yeah. feel like I've seen the important one. <laughs> uh, that movie just has a special energy in its heart, you know? Yeah. I love how much of it seems to be about trying to solve riddles but all of that is just a, a misdirect um anyway uh my other podcast ghost divers uh, is an anime podcast um and tomorrow will be the intro episode for kino's journey with special guest kim yeah um or at least tomorrow when people are listening to this um and Pondering Putan is a a weird comedy hangout podcast. There's we something through Camarade High School. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a whole adventure. Yeah. Um, I I genuinely don't know what Connor is going to bring me every week. Um, I have a I don't know if Connor's listening to this. I have a secret plan for something to to uh, do on an episode at some point. Um, that will surprise him, but, um, otherwise for the most part, he's in control. Um, that's it. I don't, I don't have anything else. All right. Let's, uh, let's get the hell out of here then. Uh, then we're out of the saga podcast. What do we say? I don't know what we say. Yeah. Then we were out of the podcast. There we go.